High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, astronomers, astrologers, head cheerleaders, oh, and a special shout out to those of you who study the African anteater. This is High School Slumber Party, a podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years with the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the pool party's at my place this evening, but first... Let's chat about what we've all been up to and enjoying this summer. Thank you so much for stopping by. You know I need this bartender for my pool party, and hopefully you can continue your good things here. You can continue pouring me my drinks, having a good time. The school year's starting soon. Oh my God, the summer's almost over. What a weird summer. What a weird year. Once again, shout out to my healthcare heroes out there. But yeah. Wow, junior year. You're going to be juniors. Enjoy these last days at my pool party, helping me out. Appreciate it. If you guys have never heard an episode of High School Slumber Party before and you're listening for the first time, you probably think I'm the weirdest person in the world, but we're just having fun here. We just talk great high school films and have a good time. And like I said, with friends. And the people we have today are legitimately people I consider friends, right? Friends I met through this podcast, not really with Mike. I knew Mike before. We had worked on some projects together. We were friends through the footy films man, Kyle Reinfried. But we've certainly gotten so much closer through my other podcasts on this network, his podcast, and of course, this one, High School Slumber Party. And Shawnee legitimately met through this podcast, just becoming friends, chatting on Twitter, and a blast to have the both of them on today for such an iconic, iconic, Iconic film, Can't Buy Me Love. Love it or hate it, you've probably seen it. If you haven't seen it, you could watch that on HBO Max if you have it. I think it's getting a lot of play lately because of that. Like, it's one of these films that I don't think a lot of people have seen in a while. Now they're watching on HBO Max and like, wow, I remember a lot from this film. Cool film. I can't wait to talk about it. And on that note, wow, 
Class participation has been amazing, guys, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I love when you guys get excited about the movies. I'm excited about this one. I love that shared energy. Thanks so much for commenting. I mean, maybe I'll read some comments at the end of the episode. I'll, I'll take a look while, you know, while I'm by my pool, lounging, chilling, enjoying the last days of summer, like I said. Yep, I'm going to remind you of it again. But before we get into our episode on Can't Buy Me Love, let's chat about what else we've been up to. Did you enjoy last Monday's episode, or this Monday's episode? I don't know. The Monday that happened before today. Did you enjoy that episode? We talked swim fan with Alexander Schroeder, appropriate for the pool party. What a fun little early 2000s thriller, right? Definitely check out our episode on swim fan wherever you're listening to us right now, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. And of course, you can check out our archives at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. While you're there, check out last Friday's episode. Yep, we're bi-weekly these days. But check out last Friday's episode. I talked to my cousin Pumpkin about the film Kids. What a screwed up movie. You guys should check that out or check out the episode. But if you don't, one thing I wanted to remind you about, Cousin Pumpkin is the one who on her 100th episode said he would get a Goofy movie tattoo as voted for you guys. The Slumbers. You know the Goofy movie? A Goofy movie? It was a Disney film that came out in the 90s, technically a high school film. Well, he's going to get a tattoo of that film. So I want you guys to go on our Facebook page. I want you guys to go on our Twitter page. And I want you to vote. Vote for what tattoo he should get. The voting is going to close in like a week. Trust me. So normally around now, I would do high school movie news, one of my favorite segments. But I decided to save high school movie news for Monday this week. And that has to do with what movie we're covering on Monday. I can't tell you yet. You're going to have to wait for that. But I want to have the news segment concurrent with that. So we'll push High School Movie News to Monday. So that means we're ready. We're ready to get in the pool, guys. We're ready to chill. And for you guys to listen to this great episode on Can't Buy Me Love with Mike Mansey and Shawnee Mead. So the drink you'll be pouring me today. Let's see. I have a little list in my phone now so we don't get confused. Hmm, summer drinks. I think we're done with drinks. I think I've run out of drinks. Wow. I must have said a pina colada already. Yeah, I must have said. I'm going to have to look up another drink. Have you made me a painkiller before? If you have, you know how to do it. If you haven't, great. Make me a painkiller. Oh, yeah. Remember, put on your favorite swimsuit. Tell your mother you're hanging out with Brian because we're about to get the pool party on. And what other song would I leave you with? Come on. Can't buy me love.
Okay, guys, we have a classic, but before we get into anything, Mike Manzi, you're here. Yes, I am. This is a big deal for you in 2020. You've officially moved past Kate Hudson as the <gasps> most guested person of 2020. Oh, I was just listening to, was it the Heavenly Kid when she was asking that question, if she was yeah. the most guested? Well, take that most popular girl in school. No, I'm just kidding. You're, you're talking to the five-year senior, I guess. It's, it's my role. <laughs> You and her were at the famous Ferris Bueller nine times. Oh. So this is number 10 for you. Double digits this year in High School Slumber Party. Exciting. And not a horror film. So also exciting to be back. Yes. <laughs> with that out of the way, the, with the festivities out of the way, both of you are veterans of the Slumber Party. So no asking what your high school experience is like. Just asking <laughs> for that good old High School Slumber Party intro. Mike, why don't you go first as the tenured member now? <laughs> Uh, right, so uh, Mike Manzi, RHS, class of 97, go Maroons. Shawnee? Um, all right, well, Oakbank Area School, 2007, no mascot. Yay! Mascotless. <laughs> Not even a color like Mike. Nothing. I mean, our uniform <laughs> yeah. was like, it was a tartan. It was Black Watch, if anyone knows what that is. So we'll go with that. That's our color. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, today we're talking about... I mean, I, I guess it's a classic, right? A lot of people love this film. A lot of people talk about this film. It's certainly one that I felt compelled to do because a lot of the slumberers out there were messaging me about it. And really? I think the biggest... Yeah, because I think the biggest reason here... I don't know uh, if you guys have HBO Max yet in yep. Australia, Shawnee. I don't think we do. Gotcha. I've got it's, DVD anyway. So. It's like a streaming service here. It's basically created only to release the Snyder Cut. Uh <laughs> well, they have friends. Purpose. They have <laughs> no, <joking>. Fresh <laughs> Prince. But yes, Schneider Cut. They have a lot of films. And Can't Buy Me Love was one of the films on it. So I guess a lot of people were watching it for the first time in years. So it was like, hey, when are you doing that? And I was like, let's just do it. You know, it's a hot movie. I don't know if it's a hot movie, right? Oh, it's Well, I mean, it's a hot movie. I mean, it takes place in the desert, basically, Arizona. So they, oh, yeah. Yeah. kids look like they're hot. <laughs> Lots of shirtlessness going on. <laughs> so both you guys, uh, you know, I, I want to ask what your history with Can't Buy Me Love is and all that. Like, I assume both of, both of you had seen it before? Yes, definitely. I've seen it lots of times. And you mentioned Shawnee, you own the DVD. How about you, Mike? I'm assuming yeah. you've seen it as well. Uh, yeah, I first saw it on VHS. One of, I think I've talked on the show Ooh. before, I could used to, was able to walk to Tower Video and rent stuff. And I remember my neighbor... Who we used to go with all the time was like, you've never seen Can't Buy Me Love? Like, what's wrong with you? So, like, we walked there and watched it, like, immediately, and uh, I've been a fan ever since. Great. This is not going to be, like, a bashing of Can't Hardly. Oh, Can't Hardly. Can't <laughs> Buy Me <laughs> Love today. Right? If she's I mean, all it does that. Have, it does have <laughs> Seth Green in both of them, so I guess. Yeah, Seth, Seth Green is right. in both of them. Mike, you were my guest on Can't Hardly Wait, so understandable confusion yeah the chuckster man he he is he steals this movie little chucky we'll definitely talk about him um this is one of those 80s high school movies that a lot of people confuse for a john hughes movie this is not a john hughes movie i get why people think that right it has a lot of the hallmarks of it but no this is independent of the hughes universe <laughs> yeah well i saw this one um I, it was a while after I saw all of the John Hughes ones. I think I was about 1920 when I saw this one, but I liked it. It's definitely a favorite. 
I think it's like, you know, it's cute. It's fun. I feel like it's uh, more accessible at times in the John Hughes stuff, which can get a little deeper. I mean, you know, this has a good message and themes and everything are still here and all that. But I feel like this is a little more accessible. Like I saw this, I was before even junior high. So I must have been like nine or 10 when I saw this movie. Wow. And it, it completely shaped my view of what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> like I fell into so many yeah. of those trappings of like popularity and, and everything. I didn't learn the lesson from this movie but <laughs> until, <laughs> until much later. <laughs> I think in a 2020 lens, this movie can, if you don't watch it from beginning to end, you're like, what? He buys her, but we'll get, you know, we'll get into it. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, the lesson is still a good one and a pure one. So we'll get into it, but I, I don't want to jump the gun. I got to read the back of this VHS here, which I found online. It's very blurry, so bear with me. Uh, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Nowhere. It starts with Nowhere Man. Does that make sense? Nowhere Man, Ronnie Miller, is secretly in love with Cindy Mancini, the prettiest, most popular girl on campus. What does that mean, Nowhere Man? Maybe they were trying to do like a Beatles reference because of the title. Oh, that's all right. I guess. Oh, that's Maybe so they're trying to be all like, you know, wait, a bit too subtle. But, uh... <laughs> the, the, the Beatles? What is this like based off of their. What are they, a rock group? And is this based off of one of their songs or something? <laughs> Oh, we're going to we'll get into it. Oh, we'll have to find out. Shawnee and I briefly talked about what the original title was, but we'll, we'll get into it. So when Cindy finds herself... <laughs> the orig- in- I'm sorry, but the original title was title was Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're- <laughs> I saw that earlier, and they changed it to this. When Cindy finds herself in a desperate uh, predicament, Ronnie steps in to save the day for a price. Cindy, <laughs> Cindy well, a thousand nineteen eighty seven dollars is like still a lot, but anyway, it's like a million dollars. <laughs> Cindy Ooh. must pose as Ronnie's girl so that her popularity might rub off on him. But the road to popularity takes an unexpected twist when Ronnie becomes so cool that his former friends feel the chill. Cindy is left totally out in the cold, and Ronnie himself discovers that money. Might buy you popularity, but it can't buy you love. Wow. There we go. <laughs> Throw the title back in at the end. Okay. Wow. Started and ended with Beatles references. Ooh. Let's just get into that. Of course, this is named after the Beatles song. The Beatles song plays a ton in the, well, at the beginning and the end, at least. Well, at the end. I mean, did it play at the beginning? Yeah. Okay. I've... Yeah, just like a tiny bit at the opening credit. But... The title originally was not Can't Buy Me Love. That was a late production thing. <laughs> Mike, because Shawnee, I know you know this, but Mike, the original yes. title. Wait, was... let me guess. Paperback Rider. <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. No Beatles reference. The original title was Boy Rents Girl. Boy Rents Girl? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yep. Like, this yeah. was the title throughout production. So, like, I understand, like, how you kind of get the Can't Buy Me Love from there, but then how were they like, oh, okay, like, Can't Buy Me Love, let's get, like, the Beatles to sign off on. How did that happen? That's a whole other movie. Yeah, I suppose. I just, I think probably, like, hey, let's try this. Oh, this song became available. Great. Whoa, they were all alive in... Were they all alive in 1987, the Beatles? When did, no, no, I think when John was, Lennon was, was he? Yeah. in 80. Oh, it was that early? Okay, sorry. But I did find some trivia about this. Apparently, at the time, 
it was when Michael Jackson was like buying up all the rights to their song. Oh, yeah. But I think sort of after that, I think definitely like Paul McCartney was like, actually, we're going to go and buy all the rights back to our songs. And then for ages, they wouldn't give anyone royalties to use them. And then it was never in any films. But I think because it wasn't owned by them at the time. So they kind of bought, I think it cost like $10,000 or something to use the song. Or oh my God, like that. that's nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I think they changed it because I think a couple of uh, places passed on the film because they thought that Boy Rents Girl was a bit, you know, like she was a prostitute. So a couple of places were yeah. uncomfortable with this, the plot of the film. So I think it eventually got picked up, but yeah, it took a while to find someone who wanted to make it because it was a bit like, you can't have a movie about a boy buying a girl. Like it's a horror. <laughs> Yet we'll make a movie <laughs> about a, a white person who paints himself black to get a scholarship in college. Well, I mean, anyway. and, and they also, they made the toy where like, you know, that kid buys Richard Pryor and he becomes his toy. Like, I mean, True. the 80s were fucked up, guys. And, and like films like Mannequin <laughs> and stuff. So, but mm. Shawnee, you're absolutely right. Actually, this was a studio production. But once a lot of places got wind of, I guess, the title, but also what the plot <laughs> exactly was, they started to really pass on it. And they had to do this film, not just independently, but also non union. And then once it got made, it got redistributed. Maybe that's when they were able to buy this $10,000 Beatles song. But this film does have an interesting history. So this isn't based off of, like, Shakespeare or any shit like that? Because it feels so much like Clueless at times or, like, She's All That and stuff. just seems like something that has been in storytelling before, you know? I mean, even the movie I'm going to recommend later is sort of feels a lot like this movie. So I'm surprised that, like, people didn't pick up on anything like that. Like, oh, this is a successful formula, and they're sort of flipping it. Usually, maybe it's done where, like, you know, the millionaire finds, like, this down-on-her-luck girl, or, you know, they get married, and she, he tries to change her, and it doesn't work out. And, or, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, that whole story. Yeah, the, the My yeah. Fair Lady, Pygmalion kind yeah. of. Reverse teen pretty woman, but obviously yeah. not. Not prostitutes, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Well, that would mean, you know. I mean, that's why they didn't want to make it. <laughs> that's the thing, maybe, because, like, uh, this movie does go heavier than I remember at times with, like, you know, her getting called out at the end by name like that and other situations. But, yeah. That title is the worst title I've ever heard in my entire life, though. It's like, even, f like, I wouldn't even watch a porno with that title. Like, that is terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty bad. I'm, gl I'm glad they changed it. And Mike, you mentioned this earlier, Arizona setting, Tucson, Arizona, to be specific. You know, I was thinking about this. Very ironically, Mike, two other times that I could recall mm -hmm. that we had Arizona high schools, Yep. you were on this podcast. Can you name the films? One was Pump Up the Volume. Yes, correct. Christian Slater. And I can't remember what this the one's one... only briefly only briefly in arizona how is it only briefly in arizona wait oh um no i can't remember i'm sorry been on too many times <laughs> <laughs> that would be our triple crossover episode of the fast and furious tokyo drift oh which oh yes begins in arizona absolutely yeah no doubt okay yeah, and i love I, geez, these you gotta take a point away from me <laughs> I love these 80s, 90s, even 70s films that take place in Arizona because Arizona was really getting developed and overdeveloped. You can see that they're like, school is kind of, there's parts of it still kind of under construction, you know? 
It's the suburbs, and so many people from around the country are moving to Arizona for, you know, the weather and stuff, or whatever reason they're moving there. And I love it. It's like a little subtlety to the film. Tucson High School here. And you're right, we get a lot of desert scenes. And the final scene is kind of out of nowhere, but reminiscent of a cowboy desert scene. But we'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> Other production notes. Oh, did you see that Paula Abdul was the, uh, <laughs> was the <laughs> dance coordinator for this film? Yes, for the African Anteater Ritual. Do you have who uh, the wardrobe person was on this show because oscars all around for that <laughs> i do not i do not oh well i have the director i just want to bring him up quickly i was not too familiar with his work except that he did a bunch of sequels to movies we've talked about well first of all if you're a paulie shore fan he did the film son-in-law but he did direct to dvd sequel for american pie american pie presents Bandcamp. And and he did two direct-to-DVD Bring It On sequels. Bring It On, wow. All or Nothing, and Bring It On, <laughs> In It to Win It. So <laughs> well. Steve Rash is his name. It's amazing because I feel like this film, a lot of people know, a lot of people talk about it, a lot of people love, and it doesn't seem like Steve Rash got a lot of other chances. But that's okay. We'll talk about your work today, Steve. You know, let's just quickly go through this cast. This is a big cast. A lot of, like, fun people in this movie. A lot of... Uh, familiar faces of course we got to start with he's mcdreamy i think in yes yep. and Grey's I know he's something yes and gray's anatomy <laughs> long before those days he was ronald miller patrick dempsey what do you guys think of patrick dempsey here mike we recently i don't think that episode has aired yet but we recently talked about him on your show i think that was the movie before this meatballs three which will be out on my show uh that'll be out some point It'll, it'll be out. Um, we'll see. Bill and Ted is throwing a wrench into the into the scheduling, but we'll see. But yes, you know, very young Patrick Dempsey here. And the same thing they did in that movie, quite honestly, is he goes from geek to chic. You know, like he's dressed down as a nerd when in reality he's like, uh, you know, considered pretty, pretty uh, good looking kid. Yeah. And they uh, they cast him on purpose because he wasn't a name because they wanted it to be really believable. Like if Emilio Estevez was on that lawnmower at the beginning, this movie has a completely different feel. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. I mean, I saw this when I was the same age as Patrick Dempsey was in this film. And I've always kind of been a bit like, I don't buy that everyone thinks he's like this massive geek because I actually... Well, I don't know. I don't know if they did in the 80s, but girls now, we like, you know, lanky, dark-haired, curly-haired guys with glasses who like space. (laughs) Yeah. I think today people would be like, I don't buy that. He's actually, he's cute. Like I read one letterbox review and someone went, Patrick Dempsey walked so Timothy Chalamet could run. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good call. Yeah. I mean, hey, people are all about old Timmy these days and like they kind of look the same a bit you know I mean Amanda Peterson does end up with him in the end she does fall for him ultimately and you know even before the end like she really falls hard for him I feel like before they're supposed to break up but um yeah no her crew and everybody they're all into the jocks and everything right like they're into real muscle heads yeah that was more of the time and I think they're trying (laughs) to slip in that dichotomy that difference of like oh you know you're from two different worlds if you play sports or if you don't even because I agree, it's not necessarily like his crew are a bunch of nerds. They're just not athletes. 
Yeah. That's yeah. what it came down to. Ronald Miller has kind of like a hipster hotness that I don't think, you know, maybe existed at this time. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> maybe the 80s wasn't ready for that. But. I guess not. I guess not. I mean, he takes it too far at one point. It gets a little too radical for my liking, but uh, a little too much moose. Yeah, well, he's only cute as Ronald Miller. When he gets all Ronnie, he is not cute anymore. Because the <laughs> There's too much hair gel. He's not cute for when he's popular. Yeah, because he goes from like, in the lens of the movie, not in my opinion, but he goes from like <laughs> total nerd, then like 100% the other way. But when he goes back, he only kind of goes 50% back to what he was. You know, it's kind of yeah. like a, a mix towards the end. And Shawnee, you alluded to it. He was 20 when he shot this. I only bring up his age because Amanda Peterson, who played Cindy, was 15 when she No, what? Isn't that crazy? That's wow. rare that we see a 15-year-old. And she seems, like, older. Because she, she seems does. a lot more she, grown I up. I agree. I get, like, a real Elizabeth Shoe vibe off her. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and in the way of, like, you're too old for high school, but I buy it because you're such a good <laughs> actor. I think she's the best actor in the whole movie, and it's amazing <laughs> to find that. I never knew that about that. Wow. She's great. Like, we don't see 15-year-olds and things, like, mm-hmm. except for, like, kids and stuff that's trying to, like, <laughs> do something intense with it. Yeah, it's like a stunt. You know, this is insane. She's great in this. I wish she did mm-hmm. more stuff. Unfortunately, we lost her way too early. In 2015, she passed away. Yeah. <laughs> One of the notes I read was, like, I don't want it to damper what we're talking about today. I still want us to enjoy the movie, but... After she passed, her family said she had a very traumatizing incident on set that, like, changed her for the rest of her life. And I'm like, Ooh, oh, no, that's dark. I don't know what it is. I couldn't find what it is anywhere. But mm-hmm. it's a real shame because, like you said, Mike, she's really, really good in this mm. movie. And she just brings the sass. Like, she has all these, like, one-liners where you're like, wow. She didn't just feel like, like a female accessory like so mm. many other high school movies of the 80s. Like, she really right. felt that, like, a fleshed out character and i don't know like like i said it's just a shame we couldn't see her in more stuff well i know i know this sort of goes off and becomes the ronnie show for a lot of it but like it's also her movie you know there's like a weird romeo and juliet thing going on between them in the sense that like we're spending equal time i feel with with both of these characters like well maybe more ronnie but like you know he is the one changing she sort of maintains exactly for the most part like, she might be the most popular girl in school, but she's actually, like, a rare, nice, popular person. Because usually in films, now. they're really mean. But actually, she just seems like a really nice person. She just happens to be really cool, but she's not a bitch or anything. So No, and, and she, how can I put it? Like, she carries a big part of the movie because mm. there's a point where Ronnie is so unlikable that yeah. we're not on board with him anymore, and she becomes the hero. And that's why she just took it home for me. So yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Really love her performance here. A couple other people I wanted to mention in the cast. <laughs> I've got some mentions too. <laughs> if you there's, a, there's a bunch here. I'm trying to like point it out. You know what was weird? Or not weird. I, I mean, I liked it. Like, look, are the main people and most of the people white people in this film? Yes. But they dotted in a couple Latin people in there, and I was happy to see that as a fellow Latin person. The one Gerardo. Of the friends, yeah, Ger- Gerardo Mejia. Yeah, Ricky. man. I am beyond familiar with this. I used oh, to... I had Rico, Rico Suave, man. Are you kidding me? Like, that was huge. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. A, He's Rico Suave? Yeah, look it up, man. That's Rico <laughs> oh, Suave, Gerardo, God. dude. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, man. I mean, like, when I was a kid, like, when I'm talking, like, young kid, like, my intro to music was, like, you know, Menudo, New Edition... <laughs> 
Jackson 5, like that shit. And then like Gerardo, <laughs> that song was amazing at the time. Oh my God. Shawnee, I don't know if you're familiar with Rico Suave, but it was like a kind of a one hit wonder. Mm, I did read about that, but I feel like I'm vaguely... <laughs> <laughs> may, may I hum a few bars for you? It goes please, a little, please. It goes a little something like this. Rico Suave. <laughs> That's literally the song. Oh my, I knew he looked familiar. That's awesome. I'm sure you'll, you'll drop a little bar in there, right? Oh, I have to. I have to. Rico Suave. That's awesome. So happy. And ironically, he plays Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) And he he barely wears a shirt throughout the whole movie, if you notice that, too. What is that? Who let him into home at class? He's selling his image. He's selling that. That's what you did. You know, he's kind of, it's synergy, you know? He's Rico Suave. Buy his poster, get his record, watch Arizona's hot. Yeah, that too. (laughs) I'm cooking and it's just too hot. I got to take my shirt off. (laughs) (laughs) Another guy I wanted to mention plays uh, Kenneth, his best friend. Uh, Courtney Gaines is his name. He's in a a bunch of stuff too. He was also in a Patrick Dempsey film, Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon. Oh, no way. (laughs) So I was like, whoa, they're both in this film. (laughs) So where do you know him from, Mike? So he is he who walks beyond the rose from Children of the Corn is yes. where I know him from. I read that, I think yeah. The and I think he's in the Burbs too, under some makeup. But I'm not sure if that's him as well. But yeah, I know him from Children of the Corn first and foremost. Yeah, and uh, you could check out on Charlize. We did Children of the Corn three. Urban Harvest is her very first film role, <laughs> not a speaking role. But uh, she's in it. Good to know. And you covered the burbs on Hanks, so. Exactly. And of course, we mentioned this guy before, but I was shocked. I had no idea or did not remember that Seth Green is in this film. <laughs> Little Chucky Miller. <laughs> yeah, he might be eligible for a high school slumber party Hall of Fame nod. He's got so many. We've talked about him at least four times on this podcast, I think. And this has to be the his youngest performance here. And he's great. And he's like got that creepy little old man boy thing. Like he seems like he's maybe like 50, but like he's in a boy it's a, body. It's, like it's, it's a trope and I love it. Yeah, it he's is. very wise beyond his years. <laughs> yeah. I think that might be the age I was when I first saw this movie, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, I, I could be like, oh, I know a guy like that at school. He's annoying. <laughs> but it's such a great character. He always steals the screen when little Chucky is around doing... Like his weird project, like the Marie Antoinette Barbie thing, but like for history <laughs> class, he made a guillotine and got like an A. You know, he's just a weird little. And I don't know why they dyed his hair. Did they go like, we can't have two redheads, so we've got to dye Honestly, one of them has to go. That's probably what I was thinking. But it doesn't hide it. You can tell that that's a redheaded kid under there. They're like, oh, but we don't want people to think that he's the- Kenneth's brother. You know, like yeah. it's so, it's so or silly. actual Chucky. Like, you know. <laughs> I like uh, when he goes, I was talking to Ma, Dad. That's one of his good lines. And I also love when he, when he yeah. goes up to Amanda at the mall and he goes, you nuked my brother. <laughs> you took him from, what did he say, geek king status, status to, to king no status. status. To no status. Yeah. <laughs> A couple other people I want to mention. Uh, Dennis Dugan plays the father, David Miller. I don't know if you're familiar with 
him or the name, but he's like one of Adam Sandler's go-to directors. He's yeah. directed so many Sandler films. That's how I knew him. And then Devin DeVasquez plays Iris in the film, and Iris has a pretty decent-sized role here. And I'm like, where have I seen this lady, and where have I seen this name? And Mike, we just talked about a film, Shawnee, I'm sure you're never going to see, and that's Society. <laughs> yeah, no. Which, which is Society, a... <laughs> how do you like your tea? I'm not finishing that on this <laughs> this episode. No, no, that's that's not to be finished. No, but. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, just a weird coincidence that two times this summer we're going to be mentioning her, and of course she's Prince's ex girlfriend. <laughs> that's uh, that's cool. So good to see her here. Anyone else in the cast who you guys oh, yeah. Rec- recognized? Yeah, I got like one or two people left. So guy who plays Big John, Eric Bruce Scotter, I think, or mm-hmm. something. I'm looking at him now. I'd recognize him from Starship Troopers and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Good call. I think he was in Glee as well. Oh, okay. And uh, Brian, we know this guy from Gleaming the Cube. None other than the best friend, but Max Perlish. He plays Yabo in that movie. He's Lester oh. in this movie. He pops oh, yeah. up a lot during the 80s and the 90s. That's very cool. And I don't know. I'm just looking now through stuff because uh, some of her friends were in things. Tina Kasperi, I guess. Uh, she was in Teen Witch, which I know yes, you two well. have a... <laughs> Who was she in Teen Witch? She was one of the um, best friends of oh, Forgotten... The main girl's name, but she was one of her crew. Okay, good to know. Good to and know. And then I don't know how I recognized uh, Darcy DeMoss. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at her now online, but I was like, I know I knew her from something. The year before, she was in a Friday the 13th movie. So, like, I think I, she was in my head from one of those. I've seen those so many times. Gotcha. One of your areas of expertise. That's for Pretty sure. big cast, man. A lot of, oh, yeah, people, you know, no, like... <laughs> huge A-listers that you're going to go crazy for, I guess Patrick Dempsey being the most. But it's a lot of those, oh yeah, that person, or oh yeah, that person. I love when a cast is like that. So let's talk about Can't Buy Me Love, favorite scenes. We open up again quickly with the Beatles song, and I'm I'm loving th- everything I'm seeing so far. <laughs> What do you think of this whole opening? The the Volkswagen Cabrio, just the clicks, the big 80s hair. What, what's your take on the whole beginning of this film? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of big hair in this film. There's a mullet. There's definitely one mullet. Oh, lots of mullets. I mean, it's definitely like, you know, you can't escape. It's so 80s. Like, it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, Brian, what you were kind of saying about this, like, being in Arizona. It almost feels like um like a pop-up town or something like that or you know and it's like oh this high school came like fully furnished with every version of high schooler you need and you know and they're all here (laughs) and it's like i kind of like that i don't know if that's just sort of the language of high school uh but they nail that for me i feel like right off the bat where it's just like yeah these they all feel like high school kids and this seems like a very believable sort of town and yeah I like Ronnie from the beginning, you know? I like the idea that he's, like, doing all this stuff. Like, I mowed this, I mowed the yard, and I break it down how many, you know, how many hours per dollars and all this, and, like, he's, you know, super smart and everything. Good dude, hardworking, you know? You're yeah. rooting for this guy, even though he's a Saving nerd. up for his telescope. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know where the idea came from with this kid. I I have to chalk it up for a lot of the stuff we're going to get into about, you know, sort of like the ickiness and all that about what's going on between them. They're just kids. Like they really don't know better yet at this point like what they're doing exactly. So I give them a lot of sort of I give her, you know, more slack than I give him because um, it wasn't his idea, even though she goes along with it and everything. But still, you know, mm-hmm. when we get to those moments and stuff, I just I sort of feel like, man, they still got so much to learn because they're literally portraying like 16 year old kids. <laughs> yeah, I, this is a this is a movie. I want to bring this up. This is a movie that goes through like every holiday and every like not every season but like a lot of them you know we start off literally first day of school in the summer he just worked his summer job he's saving up he's seeing people he hasn't seen in a while everyone's seeing people like oh how was your summer that kind of thing i love that you know kind of around now time here in the united states that this movie begins of course, not in the time of pandemic. That's not what I mean. Yeah, not but, this year. But, <laughs> but, <yes>. not, <laughs> not this year. But you have, uh, I keep calling her Amanda because Amanda Peterson, but Cindy. Cindy Mancini. Yeah, one of her things, I suppose, is that like she dated the very popular, very athletic, I guess he was the quarterback of last year, and he's off to college. And Yeah, the high school football hero. Yeah, exactly. And she's kind of just got to do her own thing. Um, a little bit. She's a kind of in a confusing state. Eventually, I guess the plot kicks in when she wants to borrow her mom's suede suit. Mm, the suede, white suede suit that her mom said, you're not allowed to wear. Nope. But she wears it anyway. Even <laughs> though it's suede, you should not be wearing white suede anywhere. Do not wear that. <laughs> uh, maybe in Arizona, uh, too. It's just, I don't know. Uh, but again, the mom, she's a single mom, right? Because she's she starts, well, in one scene, she's dating... Yeah, really yucky man with a chain and a tracksuit. <laughs> like, what a hunk. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. But, uh, yeah, so she wears the white suede to a big... Is it like the night before school starts or something? It's like, like the like, weekend before, so it's like yeah. a Friday night and then the next yeah. day at the mall. Yeah. So it's like Ooh. kicking off back to school. We're going, So we're going to this big party. And, of course, she sneaks the white suede outfit and she wears... And everyone keeps complimenting her and I think she keeps lying and saying that you know Bobby the quarterback sent it to her from Idaho or something she keeps Iowa, going, they have, I believe or something and they have really fine leathers there and everyone's like yeah okay sure whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, also, okay. <laughs> I love I love how that kind of bookends towards the end of the movie on New Year's when she's wasted and someone compliments on her Jack and she's like oh yeah I just asked my mom if I could borrow it and she said <laughs> yeah. yes we have a great relationship like that like okay <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, they yeah. wouldn't if the mother found out what happened to the original white suede outfit. Very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of the stupid guys. I don't remember his name. Is it like Clint or something? It's something stupid that starts with a C. I don't Quint. Know. Quint. Quint. Ah, not a C. Anyway, all right. Now I <laughs> can't even spell. And then he splashes a glass of wine, red wine, down the front of the outfit. Oh, so yes. here's the first drama of the film <laughs> and i love yeah how uh ron ronald is gonna go get that telescope she goes to the mall and she's like begging mm-hmm. with what seems to be partially a tailor partially a dry cleaner partially a clothing store that happens to have the yeah. same exact <laughs> outfit on display in the front it says one thousand mm. dollars you know <laughs> and then ronald happens to be across the walkway in the telescope shop so we 
seeing her through the telescope. Which Ooh. they do the shot of it. How interesting is that? They do, we, we get a telescope yeah. shot in a mall. <laughs> and then the telescope man keeps going like, hey, so you could, you know, buy this one. And then he's like, actually, I think I'll come back. And he's like, I'll, I'll wrap it up for you. Please come back and <laughs> buy my telescope. But no, instead he uh, goes up to the glass window of the shop and waves $1,000 in her face. He like fans it out and then just like waves it on the glass. Like this, this is, I feel like this sequence was really for what they have to do. I think they did it really smart where they don't give anybody any time to think, including the audience. And mm-hmm. so it's sort of like Ronald rushes in and he's like, wait a minute, thousand dollars. Okay. Here's an idea. Like I haven't thought it through whatsoever, but like, it just came to me and like, he lays it all out for her and stuff. And she's just like, uh, uh, do I take the, the money or do I take the door or behind door number three? What do I, you know? And, and so like as an audience member, even this time around, I'm like, I did not realize the sort of pressure that was being conveyed in this sequence, but it's here. What are you talking about? Are you high? I want to rent you. You want to rent me? Yeah. You pretend you like me. And we go out for just a few weeks, and that will make me popular. Just going out with me is not going to make you popular. Well, I have a thousand dollars. It says it will. I think you've mowed one too many lawns. You're right. I believe we have decided against purchasing the outfit. And then he does like a fake out because she's like, no, are you high? Like, I don't want your money. And he's like, okay, well, I'm off. And then she goes, wait, I have to replace the suede. <laughs> this so. part was a little interesting to me. Obviously, there's ethical impl- implications here, but that's, you know, the movie. Well, um, I this, mean, yeah. This is where he rents the girl. It's indecent proposal, <laughs> right? Like that. <laughs> it's honeymoon in Vegas. I mean... <laughs> But I mean, it's definitely fake dating. He's definitely, he doesn't right. actually want to date her. He's just like, fake date me because then your coolness will make me cool by association. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I definitely want to uh, discuss. Like, it's 100% his motive. Yes, it's not like, oh, you fall in love with me after we date. That ends yes. up happening. Yes. But So that does help in a weird way. They're pretending, but it, there's no pretense of his that like, oh, right. we're, we're actually yeah. going to be in love or, or please date me. And there's no like pressure. He's not like asking her for things, other things, but you know, it's just pretend dating to make him cool. Like he's not, you know, buying her for other reasons. <laughs> no, 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 of course. Yeah. What's weird though yeah. is that like when we see them spend time alone together and he's being so genuine and they're sharing, you know, their poetry with each other and all that kind of stuff where it's like well they've grown to be friends like does he think that why should they break up you know like she kind of has the right idea it's just like she doesn't she can't get it out in time before he sort of mm. you know lights everything on fire basically but uh yeah no it's a very interesting predicament too because she doesn't believe that it's gonna work either mm. no neither of them do yeah, but but like if you think about it, why wouldn't it work? Like this is exact he's exactly <laughs> right because it's like a very conniving sort of thing. Like he's tricking everybody. Well, okay, so that was my question, right? Like I kind of rationalized it this way. But I was a little bit like thrown aback by like this guy who's a nerd who's like not popular in the school. He doesn't seem terribly conniving because I feel like if he was this conniving, if he was like the little finger, he would have been popular before this. 
I just assume, though, that, like, you know, maybe he spent a summer and he's got some business savvy and he finally has this one great idea and he runs with it. Again, I'm putting great in air quotes here. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, he he was so, like, sure of himself in that moment, in that store, Mm. and he didn't seem sure of himself at all before that moment. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. But, again, who knows? Maybe he finally rose to the challenge. and Maybe it's because he thinks that all the cool people are like really fickle because like clearly Kenneth doesn't think the cool people are cool at all. So maybe he's kind of just always thought that cool people will do anything if someone else cool does it. So maybe he just thinks it has to work because she's the coolest of the cool. And I agree with that. I'm just surprised he can execute it. Yeah. Like that, that he doesn't like shrivel, you know, like, okay, first mm. day they're together, right? And he plays it off. She gives him a makeover. We get a, a mm. it's a brief one, but we do get a makeover <laughs> scene. But there's not a lot of transition, I guess, right? Yeah, we are seeing some moments more or less like where he's not fitting in, but his plan mm. works amazingly. Yeah. I think cause he just like throws himself into it and just goes, I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm going for it. And he sort of becomes like fake runny really quickly. Like he seems to change his personality almost straight away, which is bad because you start not liking him very much. <laughs> it reminded me of a lot of guys in high school I knew who were like, you know, quote unquote uncool and they would do something that would make them cool, like host a party or befriend one of the popular kids. And I just remember thinking, like, what a sellout when that happened, you know? Mm. And they would would dress different and they would act different. And And they ditch their friends straight away. Like, Kenneth is just like, whoa, he's just left out in the cold straight away. (laughs) Kenneth's pursuit of Ronnie in this is, like, Mm. borderline romantic, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just like, I don't understand. I thought we were best friends and now you won't even talk to me. So and I've we just become plans? like a pariah. Let's make plans. He's like, oh, well, I'm busy. I'll, like, I'll pencil you in like next week because I'm just, I'm so busy. <laughs> it makes me wonder how it would have went down if this was more organic. Like if he didn't buy her, like if this was, you know, if they like fell in love over the summer somehow and they showed up at school together, you know, were not ashamed of them, of each other and stuff. Like what would their friends think? Like how would they... You know, how would they accept one another? Do they want to be accepted by these types of people? You know, seeing how good Kenneth is and stuff, it's amazing that Ronnie wants these other people as his friends when he knows how shallow and self-centered they are always going to be and stuff. I mean, ultimately, in the end, they, they know when, you know, not to go too far with certain things and stuff like that. But it's it's difficult. I mean, the whole sort of social situation is always hard to navigate to begin with and, like, their kids doing it too and they're put up to such high standards all the times and so i don't know i I feel like it was probably like a snap decision that made sense to him and it was like you know let's do this let's see if it works and it just kind of blew out of control but i also agree that you know ronnie becomes a major dick once he they break (laughs) up like he does flip and change and you know sort of like how the beastie boys talked about they stopped like playing this role of a drunk frat boy and became the drunk frat boys at some point, you know, and they had to take a look and like step back and be like, what happened? Hold on. And I feel like that's what's going on with him. He's like losing himself in the success. And she does warn him about that once they have their, I mean, the breakup was like way over top because she wanted it just to be quiet and, you know, dignified, civilized, that sort of thing. And he just goes completely like off the edge and starts yelling and, saying that she's spending all his money and whatever. And then she ends up slapping him, which I think he deserves that because 
he's just being like a complete ass. Also, I think that's a real slap. Like, do you guys feel like she was going to try and stay together? That's why I always read that is that she didn't want to really break up, but she didn't know how to tell him. And it was like kind of too late to back out of this breakup. Yeah, I I read it as that as well, because if we backtrack a little and you mentioned this, uh, I think, Mike, briefly, just in terms of their like solo dates, like there's poetry and and there's the moon. And the plane graveyard, which I always really love that because it just seems really nice and genuine and they're just having like a genuine getting to know each other moment. That's why you're so into astrology, right? Mm -hmm. Astronomy. No. It's just up there, it's a future world. By the time of my dad's age, people will be living there and working. Maybe even us. The moon looks different now. It's not as mysterious or romantic. I'm sorry I ruined it for you. You didn't ruin it. You just changed it, I guess. Um, there's something really important we need to discuss. I was wondering when you'd bring this up. I'm new to all this. We're gonna have to rely on your experience. Well, let's just do it naturally. You know, with no planning. How do we do it? Our official breaking up tomorrow. Right. Right, that's exactly what I was thinking about. The breakup, us ascending our fake relationship. I mean, I don't even know who ever believed it. Us going out, you, me, right. Yeah, it does seem kind of unrealistic. Exactly. Yeah, that plane graveyard they sneak into is it's just like it's amazing looking and the way that they can just have those moments with the moon and talking about mm. it. And she's suddenly into the stuff he's into. You would think and he would feel something. Poem. Yeah, and she shares the poem. Mm. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Mike. I think in that moment, maybe she wasn't going to be like, let me be your girlfriend, but she was going to be like, Hey, let's step back. I kind of want to talk about this. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm actually having a good time. And he was like, "No, I'm gonna, you know." Well, let's go just over keep dating for a while. You know, like I don't, I don't know if they fully believe it yet. Like she could have framed it in that way, but I think maybe he doesn't get that she likes him now. Like I think he doesn't see that at all. So he's just like, got to move into phase two of becoming uber cool. <laughs> That's all he cares about at this point. So like I mentioned before, I love how this movie goes through all these holidays as uh, Ronnie is kind of douching it up. I don't remember what we get first, but I'm assuming, I don't know, do we get a Labor Day thing? Probably not, but we certainly get Halloween or the night before Halloween. Mm. Now, Shawnee, you and I have talked about Halloween a lot. I know it is yes, your, we have. <laughs> perhaps your favorite holiday. Probably, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I know you probably don't consider this a Halloween film, but do you have a day before Halloween 
in Australia. I know you now have it at Halloween, but... Because, Mike, in your town, what did you call the night before Halloween? Cabbage night. Okay, so... <laughs> and I have no idea why. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. We called it that too, mm-hmm. but a lot of people call it mischief night or fright night or other things like that. And uh, I was wondering if that tradition has come to Australia yet, Shoni. Um, No, pretty much it's just the 30th of October. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think, I think the tradition special. is vanishing from american shores as well over the past few years to be honest with you people do not take uh property damage lightly (laughs) these days you get like shot (laughs) even in the suburbs so yeah for those of you not familiar the day before halloween some of the kids go out and like you said mike damage property not in a way that they're burning homes or anything like that but just little pranks here and there that maybe go too far Mm. i don't know how the tradition started I didn't partake in it in high school. Or How about you, Mike? I know you were a punk. Were you partaking in Cabbage Night? <laughs> I mean, you know, the idea would always be to go out, get a bunch of eggs and all that kind of shit. But then you always just kind of sat around doing nothing. So, like, <laughs> I, I always had the bad intention of going out to do that, but uh, never actually. Um, but when I was, like, really young, like a little kid, like, you know, me and the neighbors would get together and, like, do a tree and be like, oh, we're so bad. <laughs> like, put toilet paper on a tree. Oh, but, like, you know, when you're seven. So I always remembered this part, um, just the pranks that they're putting together in that van. You know, what do they have? Some rotten tomatoes and stuff. But one of them is dog poop. <laughs> but I think the big um, thing that happens here is when, I guess, the last home they're going to destroy not destroy, mm. you know. Or the one, egg. I think it's the only house they destroy. I think it's like they have a vendetta against this oh. particular. Because they go like, you know, last time, last Halloween, like it's tradition, we've got to do this house one more time. Yeah, and like he didn't gotcha. know it was going to be Kenneth's house. Like Kenneth didn't tell his best friend in the world like three years in a row. These fuckers have been <laughs> throwing shit in my house. house. <laughs> I mean, he's like, yeah, let's, mm. you know, we got to figure this out. I was like, no, I was like, never told him. Because like Kenneth... And his family, they're prepared. The little brother's there, the dad's there, there's a hose, there's a net. Like, they're just, you know, they have not come to play this Halloween. (laughs) No, and and, uh, Ronnie ends up getting caught in the net, and Kenneth lets him go. What did you think about this? I think because Kenneth is just, like, so crushed. I think he just doesn't want anyone else to know how humiliated he feels. Like, he doesn't want his dad to know that, actually, that was my best friend. I think he's just, like, so betrayed, because... I mean, that's awful. Like, he's just completely gone too far. Like, you know, I wouldn't forgive my former best friend for something like that, but uh, it's just yeah. taken it too far. He's crossed the line at this point because, like, he just to stay cool, he'll do anything. Like, he doesn't give a shit about anyone anymore. Yeah, and he really has to, like, save Courtney Gaines' life at the end of the movie in order to get back into <laughs> oh, like, yeah. his semi-good yeah. graces, you know? They're still not friends again, like, when the credits yeah. roll. Ronnie is in exile for sure, uh, but like, yeah, nothing he doesn't deserve. <laughs> Apparently, one of the more famous quotes from this film is "You shit on my house." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a because that's later scene. when he like yells that at them because he's just so hurt. <laughs> I love this Kenneth character. Like, you don't see this a lot, believe it or not. You see it, but not this much of it this right? much of it yeah exactly mm. you never exactly. follow them home like you do in this movie you see friends who are like oh come on maybe they come back for like a big speech like you let us down but we 
we see Kenneth a lot here. And we see mm. the transformation is not only felt just on um, Cindy. It's felt a lot on Kenneth, which is amazing. And then we sort of get that the fam, like Ronnie's family, not the whole family, but definitely Chucky is kind of like, something's up here. So he keeps like running around, hiding in the back of his car, cycling <laughs> at night, chasing him around the city. Like it, he just wants to know what's going on. I mean, the parents are oblivious, but... Little Chucky is on the case. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, I wrote down there's a brief Thanksgiving scene. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so, right? When does the dance come in? Is that before Halloween? Oh, yeah, it is, because then the girls are talking about oh. that they've both gone out with Ronnie by Halloween. So the dance is before that. And the dance, I, I don't know if you guys recognize the theme. It's not a holiday you have in Australia, but Mike, did you recognize the theme of the dance? Would never happen today. Was it like the harvest dance? It's the Columbus Day dance because what if you, the if you look fuck? at the band, the band is playing whatever. But if you look at the background, I think it has Columbus's ships. I was like, wait, wow. what? Is this a Columbus Day dance? So this try, person... try doing that in the remake. <laughs> this person oh, yeah, loved holidays. Girls mentions that because he's gone out with the friend from Teen Witch first, and then the second friend is like, "Well, you're taking me to the Columbus Day dance." Wow, they were really struggling <laughs> for holidays in this movie, like. <laughs> Give me a break. Just call it like Sidney Hawkins dancer. Why did it have to be a holiday thing? <laughs> if you want to learn American holidays, watch this movie because you're getting just blasted. <laughs> Look, like if there is a dance in the first month of school, right? It's the back to school dance. What's so hard about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, or they could have done a homecoming dance because it is football season. Yeah, you know. Yes, exactly. Something, right? Nope. <laughs> no, let's nope. throw more Columbus bullshit out there into the fucking zeitgeist. And then he's got to prepare to go to the dance. And then Ronnie goes, Oh my God, I don't know how to dance. So he runs in the night before, <laughs> the day before, and Chucky's sitting on the kitchen counter for some reason, but he's watching the TV. And then he's like, Quick, you have to change it to American Bandstand. I need to practice. And he's like, Whatever, like, give me money. And then he swaps it over to what we think is American Bandstand, but uh, it turns out to be African Cultural Hour. <laughs> and he learns the African Antida ritual. Which he executes which... on the dance floor eventually. and <laughs> yes, uh, everyone... Accidental <laughs> cultural appropriation. <laughs> and everyone falls for it. And, you know, Brian, yeah. we wondered, I think, back on Teen Wolf, everyone could just sort of, like, spontaneously <laughs> know the moves to a certain dance, you know, the big bad wolf dance or whatever, the Teen Wolf dance. Uh, and here we see them actually learning the dance. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, and Paul Abdul. locking step. Yeah. <laughs> and then like his geeky friends walk into the dance and then they instantly know what the dance actually is i mean are they watching african cultural hour every week like, I, I guess so i, I thought they just so. played poker <laughs> <laughs> oh but, yeah uh, i forgot about yeah. their poker night but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah then um, everyone fully gets into which it sort of just shows kind of the fickleness of the cool kids because they all kind of look at him and go uh what the hell is he doing i don't want to do that that looks embarrassing and then they just more and more just start joining in and like a, and then yeah. Cindy just thinks it's ridiculous because she's like off in the corner like you know rolling her eyes. It's really interesting about like the hive mind of the high school and stuff because it's <laughs> like Ronnie is able to not only to convince him to do this stupid dance and make it think <laughs> that it's cool um, like at the end he also makes like a terrific speech 
which is like totally correct and yes. right, and, and they all fall for that too. Um, <laughs> and that they should have fallen for though. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got this weird influence power that he's uh, using throughout this whole movie. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, no, it's interesting. That's for sure. And like, like I said, that's kind of something I question because it's like if he's had it, why hasn't he used it? But maybe he just hasn't had the opportunity. Maybe he hasn't seized the day, if you will. It's also weird because I thought he was in love or had a crush on Cindy, and it turns out he doesn't. He just wants to be popular, you know? Mm. So, like, I didn't really pick up on that the first couple times I've seen this movie, but then I realized, like, I always thought that he wanted to be with her, but he never even really wants to be with her. It doesn't even seem like he necessarily even likes her i don't know it's hard to say now watching it today i don't feel like he does i think he might maybe kind of somewhere have sort of a little crush on her but thinks she's too cool and wouldn't like him or something i don't know but it does seem that as it goes on he's not interested in her at all no because he wouldn't he wouldn't date her friend if he was i don't think yeah her two friends and then iris (laughs) as well which i mean the three girls that he kind of goes out with i don't like the way they're written because they're all kind of just written as like it makes it seem like they're all just a bit like you know easy i don't know like that's all they're there for is just like you know Mm -hmm. going out with anyone (laughs) and i mean cindy a couple of times delivers some like you know slut shaming burns at them which is kind of like i don't think it's fair that the movie's written them in that way but then also points out and like slut shames them like that's how they're written they have no other character (laughs) yeah and they all kind of feel like the same character (laughs) In a lot of ways, Yeah, too, and they're just so. kind of interchangeable, like, you know, conquests of Ronnie. I mean, one of the lines she goes like, you know, yeah, some, con- some conquest. Iris has given more rides than Greyhound. Like, shit, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Cindy, like, just stop calling everyone sluts and whores. Like, just keep it down. She kind of moves on fast, Cindy, because she starts dating a guy named Rock. Yeah. Oh, my God. The hair and the car. And the- Which kind of comes out of nowhere. And it's like she isn't friends with her friends anymore. Like, that sort of happens really quickly as well. It's all happening so fast, too, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? Like, I thought the movie took place over the course of a whole year, but it's only like half a year, really. <laughs> and yeah, it's just warp we got to move on to our holidays, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> fit the holidays in. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the Thanksgiving comes in. I think she goes out on a milkshake date with Rock on thanksgiving and then ends up dumping because he ends up being a real jerk he's like what does he say like yeah give me a really thick chocolate milkshake or something like that yeah and he keeps calling her friends like you know go and hang out in the playground or whatever i think because he's in college but he's like really condescending and like (laughs) well she tips it on his head so exactly he gets his comeuppance (laughs) anyway so screw rock (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then you know uh if we want to go by holidays we kind of move into the christmas New Year's season here, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the big moments, uh, we already kind of talked about the suede dress, at, sorry, the suede whatever, and the mom ends up, the, rela- mm-hmm. the, the relationship between Cindy and her mom improves, but um, there's the big there's the big New Year's Eve party, and remember, Quentin is in. Yes. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> hate that guy <laughs> and cindy ends up showing up and she's all angry for a lot of good reasons mm. and that at this party she outs him also her boyfriend shows up or bobby, uh, bobby or her ex-boyfriend or whoever bobby. he is so bobby is like one of the 
best setups in film history because I fucking forgot all about him. <laughs> and it was awesome. Like, he was set up to be like, don't forget about Bobby. He's going to be back, like, a lot. And he's not, you know? Like, I thought we'd mm-hmm. see him on TV. We'd get phone calls. She'd write letters. And it's like, no. And then he comes back and it's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Doesn't they, don't even say, don't they even say at one point, like, the shit's about to hit the fan or something like so. that? I was like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, that was a great surprise right there. Except I don't know about why they um, had to overdub the actor's voice, but it seemed like they... <laughs> there was a couple overdubs in this film. But, I mean, that party just, like, kicks off. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, even before anything intense happens, Cindy, for some reason, is just walking around getting drunk by herself. I don't really... I think I don't actually know why, but she's kind of just, like, then walking around by herself, talking to herself about how drunk she is, like, that bit. I just find that bit sort of funny because she's just like wandering around shouting <laughs> to herself and then she happens to look in the open doorway of the bathroom where ronnie is with iris and then he's reading cindy's poem to iris which is like what low. if you won't respect me yeah, he's like that's... i totally respect you and then reads like a poem and then she like folds for his shit for some reason but then yeah cindy is pissed well, literally pissed and also angry pissed (laughs) and then yeah bobby arrives and gets pissed off because he makes the guys tell him what's going on and then he starts yelling at what he starts yelling at her cindy about something and then yeah she kind of yells the whole thing out and reveals all yeah she's like it wasn't like that he paid me and and bobby's like that makes you a prostitute and i was like oh no no it does not no it doesn't (laughs) but that was the point where she turns around and she sees ronnie and just like unleashes on him and then the end she goes well you know at least i got paid and then she like runs off crying and then he also runs off crying (laughs) yeah there's like two major parts to him being sort of kicked out of the party the one is when like two well the one dude's like get out of my house like under his breath mm. right but then when he goes yeah. to leave with iris iris is like i don't know I you don't, i'm don't like you. you won't even be acknowledged <laughs> like that is the yeah. worst and then he's walking home and his old friends see him and they're like it could be worse we could be that guy <laughs> <It's exactly. laughs> and then he like goes home and his family's having like this really fun new year's eve party and he's too embarrassed to go in so oh. he goes and sleeps in the shed and cries himself so, to sleep. Do you, oh. Did you see what they're doing at his house? They're doing his dance. It's his younger <laughs> oh. brothers throwing a party, and they're doing the dance. I didn't realize that. That's great. <laughs> so, like, he double won't go inside. Oh. And then just lays out, like, a sack in the dirt and just lays there and cries. Like, so sad. I'm sort of like, you know, you still don't really like running at that point but i always feel really awful because he's just like weeping alone in the dark in the shed yeah that that's one of the moments when i remember he's just a kid and i'm like damn it yeah just exactly <laughs> and he, he he did something really wrong you know first yeah. offering someone money to rent them and then a- after that whole experience just treating people like crap but where the movie like saves itself is this because he doesn't win from it you know Neither mm. does, like, Cindy yeah. doesn't win from the arrangement either because she did something wrong, too. She borrowed her mom's thing. Uh, again, 
the ends don't justify the means here. I'm not saying that. But there's consequences for their actions, which is nice to see because so many of these teen films, they do something silly like that and everything gets erased by something here Mm -hmm. or there, you know? Like if if he did rent her and then they did fall in love right away and that was the entire movie, then it would have almost justified everything he did. But we get this... You know, the majority of the movie is him acting like a jackass and us not rooting for him. And I like that the movie doesn't really let him sort of have everything go back to normal. Like, he keeps trying to fix it with everyone and Kenneth is like, no. And then, you know, they have that scene where he tries to go up to Kenneth at, like, the video arcade and apologise. And then Kenneth's like, nope. And then he yells, like, you know, you shit on my house. (laughs) You shit on my house, man. No. Because Kenneth is like, no way, like I am not. Just because you don't have any friends anymore, like don't come crawling back to you know, back to yeah. me after what you did. And then Cindy is like, nah, she's just icing him out as well. And then he sort of ends up, he can't sit anywhere in the cafeteria because <laughs> everyone, the entire school hates him. Even like the punks won't sit with him. <laughs> Siberia, they call it. He's, oh. he's exiled by the end and you know he is annihilated because he says that later to cindy (laughs) and it's almost like yeah the cindy thing upsets him for sure but i Mm -hmm. think his like almost breakup with kenneth at this point is really what's affecting him and he's like i've lost everything that he was being a complete ass like at least he's realized by the end like he's not just it's not my fault i didn't do anything everyone's off like at least he kind of gets that it was his fault. Yeah, at least he tries to take ownership of his actions by the end, right? And re- yeah, it would be one thing if he never learned a lesson. <laughs> then he'd be unforgivable. But like, even though I still don't want to hang out with him by the end of the movie, <laughs> I do feel bad for him and stuff, you know? And like, he did make a mistake and, you know, hopefully he'll mm. go on and everything. But like, he, you know, look at what he has to do to not even... Not even get back into good graces with people, but just to be re-acknowledged, he has to, like, go in front of the entire school and stand up for this kid who's written, you know, why Mm -hmm. does, Kenneth isn't looking to be saved or anything like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not expecting Mm -hmm. his ex-friend to come to his rescue or anything, but he does, and... I don't know. I feel like that goes like what he does at that moment, the speech he makes, the the slow clap that he's not even around to enjoy that he sparks. All of that goes a long way into sort of uh, rebuilding trust and all that kind of thing. You know, like if I was in high school and I used to be one of his friends, I'd be like, okay, like, you know, we'll see where this goes, you know? Yeah. And I really like that scene because I like that he sort of goes, fine, you all want to be shitty to me that's fine because I totally deserve it but he's like Kenneth is actually just a really nice guy and he's just trying to help one of the cheerleaders with her homework and she appreciates it and Kenneth is just trying to be nice and he goes like don't you know come after me all you want but like don't attack Kenneth because he's just he's not doing it to be popular he's just a really nice guy and you're trying to you know kill him in the cafeteria and I was like the bit that he goes like you know Nerds, jocks, my side, your side, it's all bullshit. It's hard enough just trying to be yourself. Yeah, I like, love you know, it. He's yeah. laying down some wisdom here in the I love this speech. Oh, return to the living bread. Why don't you lay off? Why don't you go back where you belong, Jose? Take your hands off Kenneth or break your arm. Your pitching arm. Oh yeah? Yeah. Well, don't make me laugh, lawn boy. Let go. Not a- 
broke your arm once before, remember? You fell out of our treehouse. Kenneth picked you up, and we carried you 12 blocks to the hospital. Hey, you cried all the way. We were all friends then, remember? And now you want to end his life because he's talking to Patty on your side of the cafeteria. Oh, man, it's stupid. I know, because that's where I wanted to be. On your side, with your crowd. And I messed up. See, I tried to buy my way in. But Kenneth, he's not trying to buy anybody. He's just trying to make friends. Being himself. Cools, nerds, your side, my side. Man, it's all bullshit. It's just tough enough to be yourself. And then, I mean, he runs over with a baseball bat. Like, what's he going to do? Smash Quinn's head off? Like, oh, he said he's going to break his arm. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that it doesn't kind of fix everything. It's not like every single person in the school is best friends. It's not like, you know, the end of High School Musical. Like, I like that it's still, you know, we're not friends, but I guess that I have to, like, shake Kenneth's hand after this because I get what he said. Yeah. But I like that it's not we're all best friends now. Like, it's still just... Yeah, it's more of just like a mutual respect kind of thing now. Like, okay, I understand what I need to do to sort of better myself and it's gonna take it's gonna take work and we don't all expect everyone to change tomorrow, but like, yeah, like this is not the way. It's great what he says because like, yeah, Kenneth is just being himself, you know, and it's like at least I was faking it. You know, you have a right to sort of be angry at me, but like not about someone who's just doing what he does all the time or whatever, you know? And yeah, he's completely harmless. If anything, he's beneficial right <laughs> like i remember that always being a very powerful moment yeah i, I clapped i clapped when it, when it happened <laughs> if i can change and you can change we all can change <laughs> a little rocky <laughs> four <Yeah>. there but <laughs> brian in the um realm of slow claps this must be a this is a pretty good one right oh yeah oh yeah this is a great one this is, <laughs> I, I love this speech this is an awesome awesome speech and again if the slow clap didn't even happen you're slow clapping at home you know, mm. <laughs> slow clapping in your head. Absolutely. Well, I wasn't. I was slow clapping out loud, but more <laughs> polite people, slow clapping in their head for sure. <laughs> and then the last, the last bit, he's trying to fix it with Cindy. She's still not letting him just get away with it. Like he keeps ringing and arriving, and she's like, "No, sorry, I'm out of the country, washing my hair." Like she keeps coming up with all these excuses, and she's kind of not quite ready to forgive him. But then he's back on his lawnmower thing. Cause with a cowboy hat. With a cowboy hat. With a cowboy hat. And he's back, like, you know, curly hair. He's wearing a space T-shirt. Like, you know, he's gone back to being, like, kind of hipster in a cool sort of way. But whatever. I think she kind of forgives him at that point and then, like, drives away with her friends. And then he just drives off on his mower. But then the car stops and she, like, starts chasing him. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of together. And then she's laying out sort of their the rules, new ground their, rules. Yeah. Their real like, relationship. Because uh, now, now they're real dating. But, you know. <laughs> they ride off into the sunset. That's yeah, the and they kiss. The classic movie ending. <laughs> I feel like that might have been added. I don't know. Like, this movie would be one of the greatest movies of all time if she never stops the car and goes back and gets on that motor. On that. <laughs> lawnmower like don't get me wrong i know why they did it like it's a happy ending you know and everything is sort of not back to normal but there's a new status quo everything's been shook up and the dust has settled and here's where we are and they they finally can be together she still loves him he loves her 
Okay. But like that ain't how it would have gone down, you know? Like the more interesting thing is I acknowledge you. I am not going to shun you anymore. And you even get the little high Ronnie from the car, from the girl that he dated at one point, right? Yeah. That is enough for me. The, <laughs> it's a fantasy film ending kind of thing, and it's fine, and it doesn't ruin it for me. But like, just looking at it this time, I would have been like, can you imagine the balls <laughs> if he just rides off on that thing alone? Like, damn. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I do, I do like, I mean, that bit's, it's cute. Like, it's a high school romantic ending thing they always have to end in that sort of way and i love that that bit's referenced in easy a at the end when she's kind of like you know i want to ride off on a lawnmower with patrick Dempsey, <laughs> and then like you know her love interest rides off on a lawnmower and they ride off together which i was really like that this movie kind of 80s wise is a bit sort of underrated but i like that it was included in easy a when they were talking about all these other iconic sort of romantic high school moments so i like that that made it way in there yeah what's better mike like a, a freeze frame on a lawnmower riding off into the sunset <laughs> or just bender saying yeah like a freeze yeah, frame <laughs> like oh the least redeemable character in this movie yeah <laughs> you know yeah. i don't know but i mean they're gonna be a killer couple at the prom this year these two i know that much <laughs> is true well, you know the sequel is probably gonna have all the next holidays easter <laughs> flag day yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, could you imagine a sequel nowadays, Patrick Dempsey as a single father, you know? (laughs) Oh, but Uncle Seth Green? Oh my God, Uncle Chucky. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm not mistaken. Even though he's an adult man, is calling himself Chucky. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, they did remake this, but renamed it, maybe? If I'm, I don't know. Is that in your notes anywhere? This has been remade in other languages, remade in other countries. But I guess the most famous twist remake is Love Don't Cost a Thing, which was, um, you know, yes. using air quotes, the black version, which is... It's I even worse. Because like, <laughs> that's a J-Lo buying song. A, buying a person is bad enough. Oh, God. Okay, like it's already, we're already talking about slavery here. We don't need, yeah, just stop it. Yes, it goes without saying, I I don't know. Uh, This film came out, I think, was I in high school? Yeah, I think I was in high school when this film came out. It had Nick Cannon and Christina Milian. That's it, Nick Cannon, yeah. I think it was an exact remake or whatever. And again, it's a a J-Lo song, it's not a... Beatles song. <laughs> oh, it's not a it's it's not a Beatles song, it's a J Lo song. Okay, I wasn't okay. I wasn't sure if it all right. I wonder who plays who. Okay, so Steve Harvey plays Nick Cannon's dad. That's a wasted role because he's great and that role is a nothing role. Like oh, you know what I love? He should have played this the teacher at the school that when Ronnie went over with the bat, the teacher was like, No, no, no. I wanna see how this plays out. <laughs> Remember that guy? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a good role. Yeah. I love how the teachers never step in. Like there's about to be some violence, but we'll just, you know, just hang back. We just want to see what's gonna happen. That would not happen today. Uh <laughs> Keenan, no, well like Keenan no. Thompson is also in the new one. Uh Cal Penn from uh, Harold and Kumar. It love don't cost a thing. I don't know. I'll cover it one day on this podcast. I don't. I don't want to rip it because I haven't seen it. But I'm not the biggest Nick Cannon fan. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but who knows? If if that film was important to you, let me know on social media. Correct. I like me. Cal Penn. He's he's good and stuff. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, who knows? 
couple other things I wanted to mention from this film. What do you guys think of like the restaurant they hung out, Tuxedo of Tucson? Very 80s. <laughs> Oh, oh so eighty, so white, and there was a lot of neon. Yeah, it reminded me a little, Brian, of like American Graffiti. You know how like mm-hmm. uh, American teens just hanging out at the fast food spot. <laughs> uh, like I drove, I drove by McDonald's the other day. There aren't any kids hanging out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's because they're social trend. distancing and they're inside. Oh, yeah. That's true too. <laughs> they're hanging out at the virtual McDonald's. Yeah, they're on Zoom with some nuggets. yeah tuxedo of tucson loved this place i don't know if you noticed (laughs) that the waiters also wore tuxedo just to oh i thought they were penguins they should have hired (laughs) penguins to work there let's see uh i love when patrick dempsey wears berets in this film i think that's really cool oh Oh, okay (laughs) we got to get into the fashion a little bit right now then where's polo ties (laughs) i know well kara's got to watch this movie because like the amount of pattern on Patrick Dempsey throughout this, like, especially oh. the second half where he, like, Clashing takes control. Pattern. Right. He takes control of his own <laughs> image and it just mm. goes, like, out of out of control. He's, like, way out of bounds. And then the bolo ties, right? I think I posted on Twitter mm. even that Cindy's wearing a bolo tie in this movie. And I was like, that is a statement I am here for. I think Ronnie wears a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And she's like the uh, Annie Hall of the uh, Midwest or the Southwest. I don't Southwest, know, right? yeah. Southwest, yeah. <laughs> so, like, love that. Love the fashion. Love how, how just Arizona, it all made you feel and remember. Just like, you are in the desert. These are the patterns of the times of the desert. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was great. And I do actually like some of her outfits. A lot of the clothes in this are like, ugh, really 80s and you wouldn't wear them. But there's one, I think, it's the first Saturday night that they have to go out on a date. And I think she's wearing, like, a beret and a waistcoat and, like, a flowing white shirt. And I always think, like, I'd actually probably wear that kind of outfit. And her one at the end where she's got, like, a white T-shirt with the black top of it. I feel like some of her clothes are actually could kind of be cool now. Some are just obviously not. Like, the suede thing, you wouldn't wear that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely wouldn't wear that today. (laughs) No, definitely not. I used to wear berets in high school. I try, you know, try to be different. Wait. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I I said this before. Yeah, I I, I used to wear, not again, not regularly, but no, there was a year where I I bought a bunch of berets and I was wearing A year? Because I thought it was fun. I used to wear wear berets and paisley shirts. Like, that was my thing. Brian Berets. I used to wear Argyle socks and Hawaiian shirts, so, like, I can't really. (laughs) That's cool too. Argue with you. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be a little different sometimes, you know. Well, I had a school uniform, so I couldn't. I couldn't go flashy at school. I just had to wear the uniform. Oh, what was your school uniform? (laughs) Well, it was kind of casual. There was like a pleated skirt thing because every school has that for some reason. But there was like a long one for winter, but then there was like a knee-length one, and the colors were blue and green. We just had like a t-shirt that was green. So no, it was blue, but there was a green one as well. So it was kind of. Not like a full-on private school kind of thing, but we still just all had to wear the same thing. <laughs> We're chill. Yeah, that's cool. Hmm. All right. So if there's nothing else we want to mention, well, I'll ask, is there anything else you want to mention from Can't Buy Me Love? I mean, it's a lot of fun. I don't think that it holds up 100%, but for me, I had a great time rewatching it again. Um, it brought back a lot of memories from when I was a kid and used to watch this. I had not seen it in a very long time, and uh, I was very happy to revisit it. So thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a while, but I mean, it's always one that I enjoy, but I haven't seen it for a bit, but I was glad that this time when I saw it, I still enjoyed it. There wasn't anything that put me off. And I think this time I was just like enjoying all of 
Cindy being like Queen of Sass. Because at one <laughs> point she's like, you know, they're asking her, oh, about dating Ronnie or whatever. And she's like, look at my forehead. Do you see a sign that says information? <laughs> <laughs> Great line. And then she says something like to Quint, oh, because he comes up to Ronnie and goes like, you know, the loser section's on the left. And she goes, well, you should take a right. It's the arsehole section. <laughs> Unless she's just like, you know, handing out burns to everyone, like her own friends. The main guy, like she's just. Maybe that's why she's the most popular girl, is because she just <laughs> she bodies just everyone. She's everyone. Just queen of snaps. Yeah, yeah like oh snap, <laughs> love it. Oh burn. It's like, isn't there that show on MTV or something where they battle rap against each other and stuff? Like she, <laughs> she could be on that. Doesn't Nick Cannon host that show? Or he? There we go. <laughs> oh, it comes full circle. Love don't cost a thing. <laughs> uh, okay. Wooderson Award. Is there a character either of you would like to see more of? Um, I mean, Chucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe no. I guess we get the perfect amount of him. Uh, it's yeah. hard. I mean, you know, we get to see a lot of his friend. Um, I think maybe his parents. Like, I want a scene with his parents <laughs> because they're super fucking weird. Um, like this is the first time in a long time, or maybe ever really where i'm watching a movie that came out a long time ago and i'm looking at the parents and i'm like that looks like someone my age you know like i get (laughs) how people my age have kids and like i could have a kid ronnie's age right now you know and i was like (laughs) older and so like that kind of bugged me out a little bit and i was like i'm kind of interested in these parents like they raised these two kids they couldn't be more different one's a little smart ass the other one is like this little (laughs) brainiac kid like the guy is the tile king of the town or whatever. Like <laughs> I want tic tac tile. I want to spend an an extra scene with mom and dad. Uh, so that's that's my call. How about you, Shawnee? Um, I'm not really sure, but I feel maybe in like the extensive Ronnie section in the middle. Maybe if we'd kind of checked in with Cindy a little bit more, or had kind of a few longer scenes with her and her mom, because they kind of they came became best friends sort of over the film, which. I sort of like that, but I'd like if we saw a little bit more maybe of that to break up the sort of Ronnie Express. <laughs> I can see that. Definitely. That makes sense. All right. Opposite guys. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there anyone who you would eliminate from this film? A character whose omission would make this film better? I mean, no, uh, right? Not really. Maybe Quint. But then we couldn't have the face off, so he has to stay. <laughs> maybe Big John, I was gonna say maybe. All the time. I don't know. Yeah, Oof. but maybe <laughs> one of the three girls that Ronnie takes advantage of. Like maybe we could cut that down to two and make them more distinct yeah. characters or something. Yeah, that would be better. Okay, I'm down for that. That makes mm. sense. And not have them both be Cindy's friend. Like that is also very weird. <laughs> like I don't mm. think I ever dated someone and then dated their friend. <laughs> I think we'll get some answers for this next one. Cameron Fry Award. Anyone too old to be a high schooler or look too old? Here's where maybe Gerardo comes into play or something like that. Like, yeah, and Big John again. He yeah. doesn't look like he should be that. Everyone else kind of looks about right. Maybe Iris. She looks a bit old to be at school. But... Yeah, all fair. All fair. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, was well, she a print, the, the Prince protege or the other guy with a recording deal with a record anyone with a record deal in this movie you look too old <laughs> <laughs> i mean again i'll say it when one of your leads is 15 it makes and she doesn't look i'm not saying she looks 15 but you also have people who look 30 at this party so 
Mm-hmm. It runs. Yeah, the we know who here. bought the beer, right? <laughs> and I mean, Kenneth could be a teen, but he could also be thirty. Like he's got that look. That <laughs> that's so that true. Could be a range of ages. I think that's why he plays like the immortal vessel of He Who Walks Beyond the Rose in Children of the Corn, because he's supposed to be like immortal or something, or like always been sense. around. <laughs> Yeah, Kenneth, uh, you know, he could be my accountant today, looking the same way he looks like in high school, so. Yeah. <laughs> we're a lot of ties, for some reason, to school. He's almost got a bit, who's that new, new-ish kind of actor, Caleb Laundry or something, or, I mean, he was in Three Billboards, he was in Twin Peaks, he's been in, like, American Made, uh, but anyway, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Courtney Gaines. Caleb Landry Jones or something? I can't remember exactly. We bring him up. Oh, Caleb Landry Jones. Yes, yes. I've seen this guy a bunch. He was in a Hoffman film we talked about recently. I can't remember which one. Oh, that's that's an interesting comp right there. All right, guys. Rotten Tomatoes. How many tomatoes are you going to throw at Kenneth's house? (laughs) (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes, 48% by the critics. 74% by the audience. Hmm. Nice to hear. Critics were, you know, not too happy with this, but the audience liked this film. The audience enjoys it, at least according to Rotten Tomatoes. But we don't care what the Rotten Tomatoes say. We're throwing them. We're throwing them at Kenneth's house because we're doing our own grading system here. <laughs> There's a report card scene here, so yes. <laughs> so let's do it, uh, Mike. As as the senior member here, you'll go first. But on an A plus to F scale, what will you grade? Can't buy me love. So you know I grade on a huge curve i'm also a little biased towards some students uh so (laughs) i'm gonna give this an a now you know does it deserve an a no it's probably more of like a b b plus right like it's i like it because it's easy and breezy but it also covers some serious subjects and it does it um with you know some tact like it's not clunky and it's like john hughes light right so like you're not going to cry watching this movie the way you might watching a John Hughes uh, movie, depending on the one. But like, yeah, I, I totally love this movie. It's a lot of fun to rewatch it. I, I was just laughing and loving it the whole time. So I'm giving him an A. How about you, Shawnee? Um, well, I think I'm going to go B, B plus. I think it's kind of, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's not too problematic. It's got a bit of stuff, but you know, nothing we can't handle. It's always one whenever I put it on, it just makes me, you know, happy, I have a good time, enjoy it. So, um, yeah, maybe a B plus. I'm going to just go the plus. That's where I landed, B plus. I really enjoy watching this film. It's an easy watch. I think everything is earned pretty much. And, you know, it's fun, harmless. So many people like it. It's something I enjoyed talking about for sure. Is it the perfect movie? No. But I get why it's had the staying power that it has today. Um, it's just like one of those... Uh, you know, dare I say, iconic films. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you would even dare to say that, Brian. You throw that word around every episode. <laughs> That's what we do here. That's what we do. Okay, so, Mike, I think you're actually prepared this time. Shoney, I oh, hope... Oh, is I- this the sleeping bag thing, or... No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that question. Thanks for the reminder. Oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> Thought I was in the clear. No. <laughs> Can't buy me love sleeping bags. Let's bring them to the party. Mike, first. Okay, yeah, I got one of those, too. I mean, it's one of those very loud, sort of Arizona pattern sunsets 
uh, you know, it's like, well, it's like, it, I, I have one of the blankets at my house, actually. It's actually quite nice. I like, it's a very sort of, um, indigenous artwork. Oh, right? yeah, like, that's like it, Southwestern. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I think I'd make a, uh, sleeping bag out of one of those types of patterns there. I mean, I would leave the, the steer skull off or with the Brahma bull or whatever. <laughs> like, I would, none of that shit, but like, you know, just the, the colors sometimes are really nice and very, uh, strong contrast and stuff. So, like, yeah, as much as I sort of ragged on it, I think it's because he's just clashing so much in this movie. But if he toned it down, like, it'd be totally fine to wear a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, that's for sure. How about you, Shawnee? What does your sleeping bag look like today? I mean, well, I've got two options. I mean, it could be a fringe white suede, but, you know, I'd have, to, I'd have to be careful where I laid that out. True, true. And it to get down on yeah, you can't put that on the floor. That's crazy. <laughs> no, I'd have to kind of, like, go into, like, the person's room and go, sorry, I have to actually just, like, lay on your bed in my sleeping bag because it's suede. I can't, I can't stain it because my mom said I couldn't bring it. Um, but I'll probably go with a blue moon-themed sleeping bag. Okay, okay. Oh, I like that. I like that. One other note, like, I don't know if you guys, you definitely have seen, like, the cover of this film, and there's some alternate covers that have more detail, but it's, like, them, and they're supposed to be, like, in the middle of a dollar, but it's, like, 80s colors. I want, like, actual Camp I May Love dollars to, like, throw out. I think that would be fun. (laughs) To make it rain. Yeah, to make it rain in Arizona. (laughs) Okay, so this is what I was alluding to before, Mike, but random recommendations maybe we're in that mythical blockbuster you know the three of us are having this slumber party we know we're renting camp by me love but it's a rent to get one free sale one movie each what uh, two other movies are we renting on this slumber party uh okay so this movie like i said it reminds me of a lot of movies but it also reminds me of this older movie i think this might be one of the oldest movies to be recommended it's from 1950 it stars judy holiday and it's called born yesterday and it's kind of like i mean it's not the same but it's similar it's like this girl starts to get involved with this millionaire sugar daddy and he likes to sort of uh you know, gives her etiquette lessons and dresses her up and introduces her to high society and tries to change her and all this kind of stuff. And it just like goes horribly wrong and turned around on him. Um, And uh, I've not seen it in a while, but from what I can remember, she sort of navigates high society with like absolutely no problem just being herself and all of the sort of airs that she tries to put on backfire as well and stuff. But it's just another sort of version of the, um, you know, be yourself type of story or or someone trying to make you into what their version of you should be um, situation. So again, not exactly this movie, but I felt like it reminded me a lot of this movie and I've been meaning to rewatch that for a long time. Uh, So also like Judy Holliday has like a very distinct voice and from what I understand is like an inspiration for the Harley Quinn cartoon character. It's like got that very high kind of Mr. J kind of voice. (laughs) So she talks like this and stuff. Uh, So I think that's might be how I initially found the movie to begin with was I was like researching this actress and came upon it. So awesome. So born yesterday, you said it was called. Right. Yeah. Cool. Shawnee, what's your pick? Um, well, I think I'm going to go with something that feels kind of similar to me. It's got a lot of similarities. Um, I'm going to go. Wait, wait, wait. Can I guess? Oh, sorry. I was going to guess. Love, love don't cost a thing. 
but no. I was not going to guess that. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I, yeah, I was going to say Teen Witch. Teen Witch, nice. Be- because it kind of, I mean, for one, the surname is Miller, so that's a similarity because it's, you know, Ronnie and Louise Miller. Oh, maybe they're cousins. Um, they, they both have a creepy little brother True. whose name ends with an E sound, <laughs> Chucky and Richie, who are both creepy little old men brothers. Um, and it's, you know, it's about a nerd who will go to any length, but not normal length, but any extreme length to become the most popular. I mean, clearly, you know, paying someone or using magic. So by false means, they try and become the most popular girl slash boy. <laughs> Love it. I thought Courtney Gaines was Jason Lively for half the movie, so there's another somewhat connection, I guess. <laughs> Lively family, yes, yes, that's awesome. No, I, I love your picks. They're what a wide spectrum of you know similar things, if that makes sense. But great. So Teen Witch and Born Yesterday, coupled with Can't Buy Me Love, sounds like a good night to me. Sweet, and our awesome sleeping bags too. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a pleasure, guys. Thanks for joining me for Can't Buy Me Love. It's a long time coming to do this film. This is definitely on the list. When I thought of this podcast and I thought of all the films, it's definitely in that, you know, top 50 at least of high school movies to talk about on here, you know, maybe even sooner than that. And, Shawnee, you mentioned a word before, underrated. I think it is a little bit underrated because it's not a John Hughes film, but it's definitely an iconic film. Again, dare I say it again? Sorry, Mike. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, again, appreciate you guys coming on for it. Um, any anywhere people can follow you, find you, or anything you want to plug? Um, you can catch me over on CageClub.me slash Mike Manzi, I think. And then like all I have the, we all the hosts have pages over there. Um, but you know, um, rounding out the Hanks for the Memories over there with Joey, the Podfather himself. So uh, Hanks for the Memories is coming to a close. Be sure to check out all the episodes of Cruise Club. Uh, together they are the Tom Tom Club. That's my most recent project that I've got going on. Lots of other stuff over there. Also, Brian is on my show Third Times a Charm every once in a while as my unofficial co-host. So uh, tune in there every third of every month. And yeah, so that's pretty much it. Shawnee. Well, I was recently on the episode about The Kissing Booth 2. So if you want to hear me talk about that, you can uh, <laughs> catch that one because that was only two weeks ago. I'm back already. Um, and yeah, I've been on eight episodes of High School Slumber Party. So if you want to oh, she's listen catching to up. any of those. Well, I am. Ca- catching well, up. It hasn't been this year. It's <laughs> yeah. been in total. But I've been, oh, oh, it's, oh, been oh, four, it's been four this year. I could catch up. <laughs> I could still, beat you all. Yeah, Brian. She can still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and also we did an episode on Teen Witch, if you want to hear our thoughts about that. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. It's just at Shawnee Mead. And I also uh, pop up a lot on the High School Slumber Party Twitter, so you could find me there. Well, once again, this was a pleasure, guys. Definitely follow these folks out there. Appreciate you guys, because you guys are now like veterans. You know, you're you're good students, <laughs> and I appreciate that. So thanks so much, and can't wait to... Talk to the both of you again. Thank you. Awesome. Bye. Thank you. Oh, love those guys. Appreciate both Shawnee and Mike Manzi so much. Always great. Always great having them on. Oh, by the way, yesterday was Mike Manzi's birthday. So you want to wish him a happy birthday if you cross his path somewhere on social media. Wow. That made him sound like the devil or something. Like, if you cross his path. 
Woo, I've had too many drinks by this pool, haven't I? <laughs> but yeah, happy birthday to Mike, and you heard it in this episode. He's now the top guest of 2020 in terms of number of episodes that he's been on. It's possible, and I think if my math is correct, he might have been on High School Slumber Party more times this year than he's been on his own show, Third Time's a Charm. <laughs> but that's a once-a-month, sometimes twice-a-month show, so if it's close, that's why. I think, no, it's definitely more on this show. Wow, Mike Manzi, awesome. So I promised I would read some social media response, some of your class participation, and Can't Buy Me Love got a bunch of it. Most of it on Instagram, so I'm going to read some of your thoughts. One person called Soldier1204 just wrote Harry Potter. Okay, I don't know what that means. Yes, another teen movie, which is another great teen movie podcast, guys. Check them out. Really cool stuff over there. Yes, another teen movie. Great name. They just wrote, love this movie, two fire signs. Yes. Suki1220 wrote, OMG, exclamation points. Like shocked face or happy face. I'm not sure what that emoji is because I'm not good at the emojis. But yay! Clearly, clearly very positive response for this movie. I think she messaged me once about this movie and be like, hey, you're going to cover it? Well, Suki1220, we did it. I hope it met your expectations. <laughs> oh, I think Suki1220, you were the one who tagged me in your post that it might have been a post with your puppy, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And you had Can't Buy Me Love on in the background. That kind of inspired me to be like, hey, we got to do this movie. So thank you, Suki1220. Thank you for that, you know, little subliminal thing of being like, cover this now, Brian. Cover this now. <laughs> oh, and sorry for everyone else I've mentioned, but the main event of comments was Darcy DeMoss. Remember, she's in the film. She's one of the girls that Patrick Dempsey ends up dating. She commented. She said, love it. Oh, so honored to have someone from the movie comment on our page. I always fanboy out for that or fangirl out, fan person out. You know, let's not gender my fanness. <laughs> anyway, Can't Buy Me Love, awesome. So great covering it. And your excitement has made me think maybe my B plus was too low. Maybe I should put it to an A. What's done is done. Can't express enough how much I enjoyed covering this film, though. <laughs> and I have some news for you. Next Monday's film is another iconic film. And the time is so appropriate to cover this. We're going to be talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way! Yes way! But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston! Who was Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? We're in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. A force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. They're traveling through time. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the iron maiden. Excellent! Execute them! And they're making a big impression. Historical babes. Now they're home. Everybody get together, remember who your buddy is. To trash the 20th century. We got a live one here. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Napoleon. 
We're from history. Billy the Kid. Oh my God. Joan of Arc. Sigmund Freud. Tell me about your mother. You a musician? Beethoven. Genghis Khan! Abraham Lincoln. Party on, dudes! Socrates. George Carlin. We're history. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! <gasps> Bill and Ted's... Excellent! Excellent! Excellent adventure. Party on, dude. That one is going to be so much fun, as you're probably aware. Bill and Ted Face the Music, the third in the franchise, is coming out soon, this weekend. Today, I even think. I really have to check. That's why I should really follow high school movie news a little bit better. But yeah, I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be talking about it on Mike Manzi's show, Third Time's a Charm. And he's going to come on my show to talk about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because that's the high school film in the franchise. And I can't wait for both. That's why I wanted to save high school movie news for next week because I want to tell you all about my reaction and a bunch of other stuff going on. So stay tuned for that on Monday when we talk Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So I mentioned Mike Manzi is one of our guests for Bill and Ted. And I was thinking about this while listening to this trailer. I'm going to do a little prize for you. Everyone who wishes Mike Manzi a happy birthday, a happy belated birthday, that's fine, and tags High School Slumber Party, I'm going to send you a very special prize. I've been accumulating a lot of high school film stuff, we'll say, and I'm going to send you something special, I promise. Even if one of you does it, that'll brighten up my day. So those listening, do it, and I promise I'll make it worth your while. But our other guest for Bill and Ted, this guy loves the franchise. He's been on the podcast before. He has such a beautiful, beautiful voice, and that is Matt Delhauer. Can't wait for Matt Delhauer and Mike Manzi and myself to break down Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure this Monday, wherever you get your podcasts on cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I was just going to say, but I'm getting pretty tired today. Was doing laps all through that podcast. Time to, uh, yeah, time to curl up in that sleeping bag. Time to hit the hay. Time to maybe tell a ghost story or two as we fall asleep. But before that, I want you to remember something. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. And I'll leave you with, I will leave you with a song from Can't Buy Me Love. No, not Can't Buy Me Love Again. But this is the song they do the African Anteater ritual dance to. It is called All Night by Randy Hall. Later, dudes.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.